G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, let's take a dive into some deep waters again today and talk about why some people might walk away from their faith in Christ. Sometimes we're dismayed when someone turns their back on so great a grace that so many of us will so deeply appreciate. And we'd say, how can we turn our back on this grace that God has given to us through Jesus Christ? But some people do turn their back on God's grace, and oftentimes they have reasons for it. One of those could be the challenging thought of evil. Why do such bad things happen in the world? Why is it that there are wars? Why is it that sometimes innocent children die dreadful and awful deaths? Well, let's talk through some issues with Dr. Andrew Corbett, who pastors Lagana Christian Church in northern Tasmania. He's also the author of several books and is the national president of ICI Theological College Australia a theological distance education provider, and grappling with issues around evil. Andrew, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Lovely to talk with you. Andrew, is it the case that there's research that shows that this is one of the key reasons why there are those Christian believers who turn their back on their faith because they haven't really come to grips with the presence of evil, disasters, wars, children getting diseases? Any thoughts here? Yeah, actually, there is. And just recently, Dr. John Marriott, now Dr. John Marriott, completed his PhD into this very issue. Why do people who were once avid Christians walk away from their faith and now claim that they're no longer a Christian? And what what are the reasons they give? And the, and the number one reason, as you've alluded to, is actually this issue known as the the problem of evil and the the problem of evil yes it includes things like you know why is there any evil in the world in the first place i mean after all if god is a good all good all powerful god surely an all good god would not want evil in the world and if he was all powerful surely he could do something about it and since there is evil in the world the argument goes Therefore, there cannot be an all-good, all-powerful God. And this is what Dr. John Marriott found as the number one reason given why people walk away from their faith in Christ. Sometimes we deconstruct evil and we can characterize evil as moral evils or natural evils. So when there's an earthquake disaster, that's like a natural evil. But if there's a mass shooting on the streets, we can align that with a moral evil. Any thoughts here on how we actually think about evil in the world? I, I think this is actually, again, you've gone to the heart of the issue, Neil. This is where we, need, we do need to think about this. Because when someone says, why is there evil in the world? If you do not have a benchmark for determining what evil is not, 
then how do you know it's actually evil? In other words, if you're going to conclude that there is not an all-good God in the world, then how do you know there's evil in the world? Because you don't have anything to compare what you're describing as evil to. So evil is actually, the presence of evil is actually an argument for the existence of a good God. But it doesn't mean that he's not good if there's evil in the world. It means something else. And this is what we need to think about. And this is something, by the way, has has been a, a, a point of interest for Christians down through the millennia. They've, they've actually grappled with this very issue, Neil. Sometimes we shrink back or we're fearful of being able to address issues around evil because we think somehow or other uh, the atheist or the opponent has the upper hand here. But as you say, Andrew, in actual fact, uh, supposing we're talking about the mass shooting, you can't actually tell the mass shooting is bad if you are an atheist because, hey, anything goes. But it's because yeah. you have a yeah. reference to moral evil that you can make that distinction. So it's actually an advantage when someone says, uh, what about all the evil in the world? Because there's a Christian response. That's right. And, and of, of course, the atheist can say that's evil and they're right. But as you point out, they actually have no logical reasonable basis to say that it's evil if there's no standard of good that contrasts this evil. So yes, we do have such things, as you point out, natural, what we might call natural evil. That is cyclones, earthquakes, there's landslides that, you know, have happened even in Australia recently where, you know, people have, um, tourists have fallen through um, a, a landslide in the, the Blue Mountains and so on. And, and, and we might look at that and describe that as that is an evil tragedy. And we're right, it is an evil tragedy in the sense that this is not how anyone wants to die or all the rest of it. And when we look at the things that we read about happening in America particularly, where there's mass shootings and so on, and, and again, people who perhaps might object to the, uh, the notion of, of God may describe that as, as evil. And we would say, you're exactly right. And if they say, well, then why doesn't your good, all-powerful God do something about it? Our response may reasonably be, well, he has said that he will. But if he acted right now, every person who has ever committed evil would be a part of that, that final resolution. And <laughs> you can see suddenly that actually involves... Uh, a lot of people not coming to realize that it's it, it's in every human heart that we all do something wrong. And this is where when you come to see, yes, there is evil in the world, therefore there must be a good God, it should actually cause, cause us to go, and what has this good, all-powerful God done about evil in the world. And that, I think, goes to the heart of the Christian message, Neil. So God didn't create the world with evil in it. Uh, evil came into the world uh, due to God's gift of freedom. So this is an interesting one that some, sometimes people will raise or as a, we could use as a defense. Uh, if we want to be free, uh, then we recognize that we have a choice between good and evil. 
Any thoughts around God, the creator, uh, creating the opportunity for evil? Yeah, and that, again, Neil, I, I think you've, you've summed it up really well that if we understand that God has given each of us freedom. I mean, we, have, we could hold a pencil and we could drop that pencil. And we all know we have that freedom to choose that. Now, the atheist who denies God has, has removed that possibility from the world because what they see is we are just a, a sack full of molecules in a world of colliding molecules and everything is determined by molecules. And if we drop the pencil or hold the pencil, that is determined by molecules, not by any immaterial agency such as personal freedom. And of course... Our, our personal freedom it runs the risk and the creator has, has taken that risk that we could misuse that and do wrong. And so I think this, this, again, goes to the heart of the issue. We have a creator who has created us with this, this amazing gift of freedom, this amazing gift that we're not, you know, um, uh, we're not, DNA is not destiny, I suppose we might put it that way. And that, that actually should give people the hope that no matter what life has thrown their way, no matter what tragedy they've had to endure, no matter what suffering they've had to endure, no matter what setback they've had to endure, that doesn't have to define who they are. The creator who has given us freedom, who has given us the ability to choose our actions freely, then has done so in the hope that we would turn to him, seek his forgiveness, and actually love him. And if you think about it, Neil, if love is compelled under threat, it's highly questionable whether that is actually love at all. So many listeners will hear the importance and the value of the things you're sharing here, Andrew, because uh, there is evil in the world. I mean, who can deny it? It is there. But God sent his only son into the evil world, and he is the only one who can fix what's gone on with evil in the world. Any thoughts on how God plans to fix those things that are evil and uh, perhaps in lives in the current time uh, responding to him? Yeah, again, that's a great question. goes to the very crux, to use the expression, which is a bit of a pun actually because crux means the, the cross, the crux of Christianity. And that is... That is this, that that just before Christ went to the cross, the week before he went to the cross, he went to a small, well, a, a relatively small town, an outlying town in the far north of Israel, still within the borders, called Caesarea Philippi. For those who are familiar with scripture, you might remember Jesus took his disciples to the furthest northernmost border of Israel and there he had a meal and at that meal a woman came in a Syrophoenician woman came in who said Lord please heal my daughter who was beset with a, a demon an evil spirit and Jesus was in an area that was famous for its evil and just before he went to the cross a week before he went to the cross he well a week before he entered Jerusalem he went to this territory renowned for its evil it's, it's believed by scholars that Caesarea Philippi, which we know is, is at the foot 
of Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon was well known for its incredible evil and idolatry and the horrible things such as child sacrifice and all the rest of it that had happened. And that's the mountain where Jesus went up right into the midst of all this idolatry and everything else. And the expression is he was transfigured. He was transfigured there. Moses and Elijah appeared to him. Now, the point there is this. Before Christ, for the final week, the holy week, before that week, he went there, he went into the, to what we might call the, the den of, of iniquity. He went right into the, the seediest part of the entire land where there was so much rampant idolatry. You can go there even now as a tourist and you'll see the remnants of, of the horrible things that happened there. And that's where Christ went. That's where he went. That's where he was transfigured. And it was almost like, you know, I think of that scene in uh, uh, Braveheart where the character Mel Gibson plays, William Wallace. He's he's so passionate about justice and his people. There's a scene there where one of his colleagues says, William, where are you going? And he gets on his horse and he says, I'm going to pick a feet. <laughs> and he, he goes right into the, to the lords of Scotland and, and says, you, you are corrupt. You're not doing the right thing. You need to do the right thing. And I just see, in one sense, Christ has gone right into the, the center of wickedness and evil. And then he went to the cross. Then he went to the cross. And the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that if the rulers of this world, if the dark, evil rulers of this world had known that by putting Christ to death, they themselves would have been defeated, they would never have killed the Lord of glory. And the whole point there is, what has God done about evil in the world? He sent his son and his son willingly came and entered into it and experienced, when you think about it, betrayal, physical pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, and he took that pain and he died in our place on the cross. And so he's someone who has experienced evil. And I would just say to you, any listener, Neil, if that's what they're going through, if they're experiencing all of those facets of evil, there is a saviour who can hear you now. You are not a million miles away from him. You are just one prayer away from experiencing his forgiveness and grace. And he is the choice, uh, the only hope for humanity. Uh, Dr. Andrew Corbett, and for some, there'll be more questions raised around this issue. And sometimes uh, you can get into a very deep conversation about the problem of evil. And so for listeners who want to explore a little more, Andrew has written an article. He's uh, discussing these sorts of things. He's also president of the ICI Theological College Australia. It's a theological distance education provider and you can hear that he's a wonderful clarity of thought. How can you connect? Well, that article we could point to is at findingtruthmatters.org and you can connect with Andrew Corbett, Dr. Andrew Corbett at icicollege.com.au. That's icicollege.com.au. Andrew, Great getting your insights today on evil. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Great again. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.